I want to finish the sermon that I started last Sunday. And I'm going to just quickly read through the first part so that those of you who weren't here will kind of get caught up to where we are. And I want to talk a little bit about the confidence that we have in our salvation and the assurance that we have in our salvation. That it's not something that we have to be wondering about all the time. But there are some signs, there are some things that, that occur that will help confirm in our own minds that, so that we can really trust, that we can truly trust in the one who... It's so good to see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. It's, uh, the sermon was titled, it's in there. And... Uh, so I'm just going to read this quickly. Remember the Prego commercial? It's not just the advertising. It's not just the fancy container. It's not just the label on the outside. But it's every ingredient that's on the inside that makes it so good. And then what Joe D. adds to it. It's, <laughs> it's like that with our lives. It's not what's on the outside that determines who we are. It's what or who is on the inside that makes it so good. Attempting to show the love of God in our actions toward others will never change the problem on the inside and will always end up in frustration and futility. That's why the law didn't work. But when we are born again, I hope I said that right. We, when we are born again and have the love of God, his son resident in us, we are changed. And our behavior reflects our identity. Amen? New DNA. The love of God within shows the love of God without. I like that. Luke 11, 37 through 46. This is in the Amplified. And this is just another uh, incident, another in, in the scripture where food is involved. And that's, that's one reason. This may stay up uh, for, uh, for a couple of months because I keep finding other, <laughs> other uh, stories in the Bible that have food in them. There's a lot. And they have a meal involved with it. And there's always a lesson surrounding that meal. Interesting. I think that's a, a good uh, reason to share meals. And more often, because somehow it sets up opportunity. That's why families ought to have it, you know, how to have meals together. You know, supper's ready. Everybody goes to the stove and goes back to their room and gets on their devices. No, no. Somebody else is pouring into people in your family. Make it an, a point. When you have a chance to have meals, make it a point. That's why fellowship dinners are so important. That's why the fellowship in the morning is important. There's just something about when you share a meal. In Acts, well, I could, I could go on. I mean, there's just so many things. So, keep moving right along. Now, will Jesus, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to take dinner with him. And that, then it started. Right? So, <laughs> maybe you're not the best cook. I'm, I'm going I'm to bring this home. 
Like maybe you're not the best cook and maybe your house is not as nice as the one that you would like it to be look like. Right. How many feel that way? No, you don't raise your hand um, or you can. Some of your houses are so perfect that you don't want anybody to come in and mess it up. <laughs> I just mopped the floors yesterday and I don't want anybody in there. <laughs> But we're going to have a bunch of people in there. <laughs> and there will be mud. And there will be stuff. But it's important that we step out of that place. And Jesus didn't say, you know what? I know what you guys are like. I am not going to your house for lunch. Right? No, Jesus saw this as an opportunity. You know? He said some pretty rough things, but he did anyway. So he entered and reclined at table. The Pharisee noticed and was astonished to see that Jesus did not first wash before dinner. He did some other things like heal on the Sabbath and, you know, he, he, he uh, processed some grain, you know, to eat. and he, he was always in trouble, stuff like that. But the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside you yourselves are full of greed and robbery and extortion and malice and wickedness. You senseless, foolish, stupid ones acting without reflection or intelligence. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But dedicate your inner self and give as donations to the poor of those things which are within of inward righteousness. And behold, everything is purified and clean for you. Love is something that's established on the inside. It shows on the outside. We can't dress up the outside by simply adjusting behaviors and expect a change on the inside. A little behavior modification. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a little of that, though. Something has to happen on the inside that is reflected on the outside. Our behavior then is a result of something or someone that is resident on the inside. Verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees. <laughs> like, whoa, stop doing that. Do this. That really didn't mean to that. But it kind of works. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every little herb, but disregard and neglect justice. And the love of God. These you ought to have done. You ought to have tithed mint and rue and every little herb. And, but, but. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Does that make sense? I think for some of us, it's pretty important. The sad fact is that we. We're trying so hard to do the right thing, but we're missing the important thing that would change everything into being the best thing. Verse 43, woe to you, Pharisees, that's two woes, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and you love to be greeted and bowed down to in the public marketplaces. That's one reason I moved ministry from here to there. 
Woe, third time, woe to you, for you are like graves which are not marked or seen and men and men walk over them without being aware of it and are ceremonially, ceremonially defiled. Another sad thing is that their influence on others was defiling. Isn't that interesting? Their witness and instruction were producing death, not life for others. I have to ask myself, what am I teaching and modeling? Frugal shopping. <laughs> what am I teaching and modeling? What are you teaching and modeling? You know, I don't particularly want anybody to feel condemned this morning. I mean, that's not, that's not a deal. That's not a good deal. But I do want us to look at ourselves, to take stock, to allow the Holy Spirit to shine the light. And ask, are we just doing the things on the outside? Just to be noticed and we use the powerful name of Jesus to somehow validate what we do? I hope not. Verse 45 One of the experts in the Mosaic law answered him, teacher, we're talking an expert, expert in the Mosaic law, answered him, teacher, in saying this, you reproach and outrage and affront even us, (laughs) even us. But he said, woe to you, fourth time, the lawyers also, for you load men with oppressive burdens Hard to bear. And you do not personally, even gently, touch the burdens with one of your fingers. These guys were totally missing it. And I have to ask ourselves, ask myself, and ask all of you. I mean, we want to share Jesus, right? I mean, that's what Sue was saying about this. You know, this is an opportunity, an open door to share Jesus, right? In Jesus, there is liberty. Thank you for this liberty. And we sang that quite a few times over and over. Maybe some of you were bored with that. Maybe some of you really tuned in and really enjoyed that. Worship was difficult for me today. I don't know why. I mean, I was excited about the words and everything else. Musically, I was struggling a little bit. But the truth is, what we sang is true. And it's powerful. And our God is wonderful. Jesus' name is above all names. So when we introduce people to the mercy and grace of God through Jesus Christ, do we, in essence, liberate them from the laws that these guys were putting on people? Or do we invite people in to this liberty and just give them a new set of Protestant or charismatic laws. I hope not. I hope not. 
Performance on the outside is a burden. Jesus on the inside is a blessing, both to us and to all those around us. It really affects. When you're not a pain in the uh, um, hinder parts, where you sit down, <laughs> it's just better for everybody around you. You know? Just this. And so this blessing just flows out. Now, the question today, that th- those are some questions, obviously. But the thing I want to look at today is coming out of this, if this thing on the inside, if Jesus on the inside makes all the difference, all the difference, then we need Jesus on the inside. And that comes with new birth. That comes with being born again. That comes with believing, right? And then, I think it needs to go another... There's not another... I think the result needs to be in us that we are confident in that. That we know that. That we believe that. That we know that we could not have done this without Jesus. And we can't continue in this walk without Jesus. We don't just take our little response card and put it in our top dresser drawer and pull it out on our deathbed. (laughs) You know, it is a walk. It is a journey. And we have been called to be light and salt. And so it's important that we understand and believe. That when doubt comes, when fear comes, when challenge comes, that we know to look it in the face and say, not so, not so. I'm born again. I'm I belong to Jesus. You have no part in me. I remember when I was first saved, I was about I don't remember how old I was, but I do remember the the time I can remember. I used to ride my bike a lot at that time. Um. But I can remember riding my bike one day and we had set up a ramp, you know, where you could, you know, you could ride really fast and jump up in the air, you know, and bend your forks and, you know, all kinds of good, all kinds of good things. Kind of like that guy who landed that plane. And, anyway, flipped it upside down. But I can remember that, but I can remember in my mind thinking, you didn't really do anything. Nothing really happened at the altar. When you got saved, nothing really. And then it shifted into you need to prove. That you're saved, you need to prove it. And it's like, where do you think that came from? Where do you think that came from? And it's like, man, I was just born again and I'm already getting hammered with doubt, you know, with performance, with Whatever. And it's like, yeah, right? And so it's good to know we need that assurance. We need the confidence that, you know, when we said yes, Jesus came. When we said, I believe our sins were forgiven, past, present, future. When I said, I want to make you my Lord. He said, yes, 
I will. I'll do that. And I will give you life and more abundantly. Amen? And believing and knowing this. So in order for us to pass on this good news, we need to be confident. Not in ourselves, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Right? So, here we go. This is just, I've got this kind of in a semi-logical order of process. Um, we can be confident and assured that he is here. He is on the inside. And he will produce the fruit on the outside. That's why it's called fruit. The fruit is on the outside, but what on the inside that produces that fruit, that outcome. I, I, it's a great picture, and it's throughout the Bible. So John 5, 37 through 42, this is the New American Standard. And the Father who sent me, this is Jesus speaking, the Father who sent me, we talked about that already today, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have this word abiding in you, for you do not believe him. Whom he sent, yeah. So, if we're going to have him abiding in us, his word abiding in us, we need to believe. I mean, that's, that's, it's inferred. You do not have his word abiding in you, which is where it needs to be. And the word... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without Him, nothing, nothing, yeah. Without Him, nothing was made. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Uh, what's he mean right there? You think in them you have eternal life. It is these, these this Scripture that testify about me. Jesus is saying, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The scriptures are not life. The scriptures tell us about life. They tell us about Jesus. Because Jesus comes and lives on the inside. We in him and he in us. It's a it's like, what? How does that work? You just got to believe it, you know. You just got to accept that. Put it in your God box, as Ronnie Rudy would say. He says, I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, and you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Well, we want, to, we want the love of God in ourselves. And so, the inference is that we believe. And then there's something happens. The scripture is a miracle in itself. The way it was written, the way it has survived through the ages... We encourage each other to read it regularly and completely. But they do not give us the love of God. They give us the direction to the love of God. They are the testimony of Jesus the Son, the Savior. Without Him inside, we can't have the love of God. So what happens on the outside? That which we see and others see. Oh, so what happens on the outside, that which we that which we and others see is a result of what or who is on the inside. His word abides in us 
when we believe in him. And when it's in there, it shows. Step one. Step one toward this assurance and this confidence. Verse 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood. And there's some more eating going on. Jesus stood. Make sure I'm on the right page. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's in there. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed him in him were to receive. Amen. It's a promise. We can be confident. We can be assured. It's in there. It flows from the inside out. The love of God springs forth. It's in there by grace, through faith, believing. Go with me to 1 John 4, 7 through 9 in the Amplified. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is Springs from God. Here, you get it? Springs forth. Innermost being. God is there. God is love. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten, born of God. And is coming progressively to know and understand God. To perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Growing. Getting to know him better. Wow. Paul said that I might know him. Right? And then there's some other descriptors. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God. Does not and never did know him. For God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest and displayed where we are concerned. In that God sent his son. The only begotten or unique son into the world so that we might live through him. Our very lives are lived through him. God's love is made manifest. It shows. When we and others can see the results of God's love on the outside, we can be sure that the love of God is on the inside. It's not something we drummed up. It's... Someone who came to live there. It's good because it wasn't in there. And so when we see it coming out, then we can be confident. This is another indication that we have passed from death to life. Amen? Now, some of us have have a few little... (laughs) <laughs> needs for behavior modification. We have a few things in our lives that want to press down the love of God that has been birthed in us. We have old habits. We have regrets. We have shame that Jesus took on the cross. And so sometimes it's a process of learning to say no to those things and say yes to the love of God that is resident in us. And when we see those things emerge, When we trust the Lord with our past, 
and our present and our future, then the love of God can come out. And if you find that you're having difficulty loving, then turn to the Lord. Don't try to just grit your teeth and make it happen because it will not work. In fact, you'll become more and more angry. And it's like, Until we surrender and allow what's on the inside to come out, it'll never work. Just be frustrated. But when you see a glimpse of a love that was not there before, then be encouraged. Be confident. Know that he lives in there. And he can change you. That's hope, y'all. That's, that's hope. Ah. Our very lives are lived through Him. God's love is made manifest. It shows. When we and others can see the results of God's love on the outside, we can be sure that the love of God is on the inside. There is a confident assurance that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have taken residence in us. When we see ourselves behaving like Him. And it, it, it may shock us on occasion. And, and that's probably good. That's probably good. Believing results in behaving. All the behaving won't bring Him into our lives. Jesus inside will change all the behaviors. Sometimes it takes a little more time. (laughs) And sometimes it's instantaneous. And you know what? That's the Lord in you. And how he deals with you is going to be a little different than how he deals with me. And the results may take longer, may take less time. It may be, it's like, you know, some people are delivered. Like when they get saved, they're delivered from cussing, smoking, drinking, you know, all the classic ones, you know. Their affairs, whatever. And then some, sometimes I've seen so many people, they, they, man, instantaneous delivery, deliverance on some things, but then other things, it's like, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it's still His power that works in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure, right? It's still that, that's, that's the only way. So even when, I remember when my dad, is it okay? Okay, we're, we're doing all right, because it is 15 after. Um, <laughs> uh, but my dad, when he got saved, he was 42 years old. And when he got saved, he, he was pretty much involved in, in those of those things. But, uh, <laughs> man, he, there, was, there was a couple of things that he was just instantaneously delivered. He was a different man. I mean, he was a different man. He was always a lot of fun. But, I mean, it was just deeper. It was real. And um, smoking, though, was just something. He just, he had quit so many times. I know I can quit. I've quit this many times, you know, right? And, uh, and I remember him telling my aunt, because she wanted to quit smoking. And she told, he told her, he said, hey, and that's not a sin unto death, but it will kill you. Just say, 
Uh, <laughs> but he said, when you quit, he said, you're going to get crazy. You're going to get kind of crazy. You know, and some people like chew gum and they end up, they're addicted to gum. But he said, when you get frustrated and everything, just walk over to somebody and knock them out. Just cold cock them. Just, you know, it's like, you'd have to know my dad. And, uh, but listen to this. He was at a lay witness mission. That was a thing in the Methodist church where uh, different um, non-clergy uh, would go to a town and, uh, yeah, a whole weekend and just share testimony. It wasn't a teaching time, you know. It was, it was, it was a testimony time. And it would be Friday night all the way through Sunday. And so... He was still smoking, and that Sunday morning he got up and he was supposed to share some, uh, and he had his cigarettes. How did it go on? And so he was sitting in the balcony, if I remember right. I wasn't there. I was born, but I wasn't there. Um, and the Lord said, "You really want to quit smoking?" And he said, "Yeah." He said. Just leave, just take them out of your pocket. Just leave them here and it'll be done. Normally, he would never have had them in his shirt pocket. He would have left them at the house and not taken them, you know, to the holy sanctuary. Just kidding. You are his sanctuary. Anyway, that was it. That was it. He didn't have to hit anybody or chew any extra gum or anything else. It was just deliverance. But it was way long after his salvation. And so sometimes your salvation is instantaneous and it's, it's complete. But for it to work out into your behavior sometimes takes a little time. But you know what? The Lord is patient. He's patient. But we should see... At least incremental improvement. (laughs) In fact, Daddy told the Lord, he said, you know what? I can't do this. Well, that was the first smart thing to say. I can't do this. He said, you know what? So I'm going to enjoy these. I'm going to chew them, eat them, smell them, taste them, you know, smoke them, whatever. And then the Lord, that's when the Lord confronted him. Isn't that cool? I just think that's cool. But he was assured of his salvation. It wasn't a matter of, yeah, oh, well, I'm still smoking, so therefore. And the enemy will tell us, you know what? You must not be saved. (laughs) Anybody ever had that happen to them? Yeah, it's like, you lying thing. You lying thing. So we're confident because we've done it. We have believed. And that's what it said. If you believe, I'm there. I'll come. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. Okay, so here we go. First John 2, 3 through 5. And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know him. That we are coming to know Him, to perceive, recognize, understand, and become better acquainted with Him. If we keep, bear in mind, observe, practice His teachings, precepts, commandments. 
This is how we may discern and perceive that we are coming to know him. Are you with me? We don't come to know him by doing these things. We come to know him and are becoming more and more confident and assured that he is resident in us. If we keep, bear in mind, observe, practice his teachings, precepts and commandments. It's something we do because we're in love with the one who loved us first. And because he's on the inside, working, 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 and it's starting to show. And so all of a sudden, we're doing the right things. We're making right choices. We're loving in instances where before we wouldn't have. We're forgiving in places and people that before we wouldn't have. Whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, and am acquainted with him. <laughs> Some of you would like to pull First John out, but you can't do that out of the Bible. <laughs> and am acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments, teaching is a liar. And the truth of the gospel is not in him. I'm going to read that again because it's an interesting. You, you can turn that into law, but it's not why it was written. It's not the intention. It is so that we can recognize the change and be confident to trust in the Lord within us and in whom we reside. Instead of our own strength. Are you with me? So, whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, and am acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments, teachings, is a liar. And the truth of the gospel is not in him. That's why it's in there is so critical. But, verse 5, but he who keeps, and I love this, treasures his word. But he who keeps, treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him, in him, in this person, in you. In me has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, reached maturity. That has got to be encouraging. When you understand, when I understand, when we grasp. The understanding that it's not he who keeps the letter. Because, watch this, the Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit 
gives life. So when it says, he who keeps, and whoever did this in the Amplified, puts treasures in parentheses. He who treasures his word. It's not about performance. It's about orientation. It's about concept. It's about understanding the love of God. I hope that is so liberating. This is what, this is the good news that we have to give in these Christmas boxes. And in everything we do. But he who keeps treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, his message in its entirety, teach them to do all that I've taught you. Truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, reached maturity. By this way, we may perceive, know, recognize, and be sure. By this way, we may perceive, know, recognize, and be sure that we are in Him. So there it is in the same verse. He in us, we in Him. Assurance. Watch this. Colossians 1, 27b through 28a. God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him. Yes. First John 4, 12 through 15. God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this, watch this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us. See, I love that. We know we in Him, He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. So that's who we listen to. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. Man, now that boils it down. So when you are challenged in your mind or in your spirit or in your heart or by some person who thinks they're helping you out, don't receive it. Don't believe it. You turn inward to the Holy Spirit who is in there and the Holy Spirit will tell you if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in you and He in God. Period. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> Amen? So, let who you believe in change your behaving. It's in there. The grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God and the presence and fellowship. The communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So be it. God bless you. If you need prayer, yay God, right? Yay God. If you need prayer, please.